All right, time for us on this Friday morning to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. Okay, let's start Let's start with the Olympic bid thing. Sure. Be- because, you know, it was really interesting. I was at an event yesterday, and Wayne Sparrow was one of the speakers there. Of course, he's chief of the Musqueam. And this had just been announced. They had just found this out. And he was not happy. Now, we're going to talk to Wayne coming up a little bit later on the show, but it's very clear something kind of went wrong in the communication here. Well, uh, maybe he wasn't paying attention, to to be polite about it. Uh, I've been following this B.C. government's attitude on the 2030 Games, and I've never detected any enthusiasm for this bid. Uh, They've sort of listened and kept uh, an open file on it. But yesterday's announcement that they were not going to commit to $2 billion worth of backing uh, is no surprise to anyone who has been following what the New Democrats have been saying. As I say, they've never expressed any enthusiasm for this. And uh, at the end of the day, they went, nah, we're not willing to put up that kind of money. They didn't think Ottawa was all that keen to put up a billion. And I don't know as though the city of Vancouver, was, the new council, was really all that keen to put up what it would have to do, a couple of hundred million dollars. Okay, so yeah, we'll talk more about that then. What about the political reaction here? Well, you know, the political reaction, I mean, the government, we heard, you know, expressions of disappointment, right? And uh, leading the way on that were actually the opposition BC Liberals. You know, uh, Kevin Falcon comes out and says, well, you know, this is very disappointing. This was a great opportunity. And and then he kind of crossed the line. I mean, there's an awful lot of guff always associated with the Olympics. And one of those things is overstating the benefits and the other is yes. understating the cost. But Falcon actually had the temerity to say yesterday, well, you know, the New Democrats opposed the 2010 Olympics bid. <laughs> no. no, they did not. Check the record. British Columbia wouldn't, Vancouver, Whistler wouldn't have gotten the 2010 Games if the then Premier, Glenn Clark, back in the 1990s, had not done a masterful selling job with the Canadian Olympic Committee beating out Quebec. So we wouldn't have gotten the Games. When the Liberals took office, they inherited a bid that had been approved by, under the NDP, and that wouldn't have happened without the NDP support. So... You know, I put that down to guff as well. As I said, there's an awful lot of that around any bid for the 2010 Games. Uh, First Nations leader saying lack of respect. Look, Simi, I've covered a lot of B.C. governments, and I've not covered a B.C. government that's shown more respect to Indigenous people than this one. We saw that on display again this week with a very brave, very bold move to deliver control of child custody, child welfare to indigenous nations. That is the first attempt to do that. Uh, It's bold, it's risky, it could be expensive, but it is a sign of this government's profound respect for indigenous nations. I don't think the government had to put up $2 billion, Simi, for an Olympic boondoggle to show their respect for First Nations. Uh, a lot of people agree with that for sure. That's certainly the sentiment that I'm hearing from people. Uh, let's talk then about the transition. Uh, <laughs> so, it's so funny because, you know, in the last week or so, we've gotten, oh, here's the 100-point plan and we're going to hit the ground running. And then I find out yesterday, I hear that the transition is November 18th. Yeah, this is, Kevin, this is uh, David Eby's definition 
of hit the ground running. He's going to take an entire month. It'll be an entire month since the NDP made him the only candidate for the leadership of the NDP and thus the premier designate. So that was October the 19th. The handover uh, from Premier John Horgan to Premier David Eby will be November the 19th. November the 18th, so almost a month. Um, you know, why? Uh, so, you know, everybody asked yesterday why. Well, these things take time, you know, a lot of planning. They've known this is coming for weeks, yeah. right? Oh, you know, this is complicated. So, you know, I pointed out to one of EB's staffers yesterday that the handover in the UK took five days and the handover in Alberta from premier to premier took five days. Oh, well, those were crises, he said. And that's really all you need to know about David Eby's real attitude toward the situation in British Columbia. The province is not in crisis here. He uses the word urgency. He uses the words hit the ground running. But he's in no rush to take over the government and get going dealing with the crisis in public safety, the crisis in housing affordability, the crisis in access to family doctors and getting into the ERs, because he doesn't regard those as crises. Hmm. I, I wonder, like, why do this when they understand that there is a sense of urgency? It seemed like they were kind of getting the message from the municipal elections, and then yep. now nah, we're just going to put this off for a couple of weeks. No, there's 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 no obvious rush here. This is, uh, you know, David Eby uh, getting everything in line. Uh, I guess he's going to use some of the time. Uh, to interview uh, members of the cabinet and caucus about their future since they've canceled the legislature for another week. So, and, you know, one of the things he said was that, well, he wants to get into the House and bring in legislation. Well, on the legislature schedule, by the time he's taken the oath of office and gotten himself sworn in as premier, there will be exactly four days left on the schedule for the legislature. Well, under the House rules, Simi, even if the bill is drafted, unless it's a total emergency, you've got to debate it for at least three days. And four days, if it's controversial, is the absolute minimum. You'd have to bring in closure. So either the legislation isn't ready or the legislation is symbolic and he's just going to leave it there on the order paper or he hasn't told us yet he's planning to extend the fall session of the legislature into December. I don't know which it is, but again, I don't right. see the signs of urgency. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned cabinet, you know, interviewing members and figuring out what are some of the potential changes that we could see in cabinet here? Well, there, there are two kinds of cabinet shuffles, and we haven't really figured out for maybe signals yet what he's going to do. So there's two vacancies in cabinet because E.B. was housing minister and E.B. was uh, attorney general. Now, right now, Murray Rankin, Murray Rankin is doing that, but I don't think people expect him to survive as uh, attorney general after his recent performance. There's been general speculation, Simi, that uh, David E.B. is going to replace the finance minister, Selena Robinson. They are not close. And uh, Ravi Kalon, who was thought of as a good candidate for the leadership, dropped out for personal reasons, endorsed Eby, so he's the head of the list. But the one thing that isn't clear, Simi, is when, when, you, when a new premier comes in and does a big cabinet shuffle, 
if he or she is thinking of an early election, well, what they tend to do is they interview ministers about whether or not they're going to run again and the ones that are going to retire, some of them right. will, uh, those will be replaced by people from the backbench because you obviously want to put a new face on the government. Evie's now saying he intends to govern for the full two years that are left on the uh, legislature schedule and the, uh, the government schedule. So in that case, you may get a small change in the cabinet lineup in, say, November or early December, and then leave the big makeover for the government until closer to the date of the next election, which is in October 2024. Right. But clearly there are some positions, as you pointed out there, that there will be some big changes, as you also expect that those people should, those are the ones who would be closest to a premier. Yeah, that's true. And I think there will be some promotions from the NDP backbench. There's a large NDP backbench, a lot of newcomers who were elected, and uh, some people from from 2017 who haven't been in cabinet yet. I think the Premier obviously want to put a new face on the government. So there will be some promotions because there are some vacancies. But at the moment, I don't think we're seeing the kind of uh, talk that suggests a complete makeover. Indeed, once again, Simi, there's the fact that the premier doesn't seem to be in any rush uh, or any sense of urgency. I do think you know, you'll get a new attorney general. I talked to New Democrats privately. They're not impressed with the job Murray Rankin has been doing. Uh, he is also Minister of Indigenous Relations. I expect he would keep that. Probably you'll get a new housing minister, too, because the premier has said, uh, or David Eby, the premier-designate, has said a number of times that housing is his big priority. It's the only major policy statement he made during the leadership. So I think you get probably a new standalone housing minister with a real push there to get an increase in the housing supply because that's been EB's emphasis. It certainly has been. All right. Thank you so much, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Simi.